The following message was recorded by Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the college ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church. More information and resources can be found at cominneapolis.org. So because some of you have, have just recently woken up from your hour and a half of sleep, I'll try to make, make today a little bit quicker and, and maybe more engaging in time just to discuss or reflect mixed in there. But quick review. Last night, like, like Ben reminded when he was praying, it was about change and how I, I'm convinced that none of us are content the way that we are because if you're content in the way that you are, then, then maybe you're one of those people that has really low standards. But, but heaven is in store, and there's so much more, but there's so much more in this life, and we all want to change. We live in the tension between who we are and who we want to be. Um, and so if you, if you were able to get up this morning and look at the, uh, the quiet time verses, there's one of them that I want to talk about and kind of jump into. Second uh, Corinthians 5. To, today will be the new you, because maybe this is where we're going if, if you're changed, let's say that you are new, that you're living in light of, of a new self, what does that look like? Like, what does a new person look like? How does the Bible talk about a new person and, and how your life would be characterized? Um, because if you receive an, an identity from Jesus, if, if someone that you esteem really esteems you, if Jesus esteems you and, and, and puts his love on you, what does that do? How does that change you? How do you live? What now? And so... I want to talk about the new you. And uh, I'll read the passage. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 21. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And that's kind of familiar language from last night. Uh, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Um, <coughs> if, if you had your Bible open, which I realize I'm about to do something and I don't have the other verse. But this is a little Bible study technique. Maybe if you guys, do you all have to take like Bible study method or something in, in one of your classes? Is that like a class where you learn how to study the Bible? What now? Yes? Was that a, a, a strange yes? Um, well, whenever there's a therefore in a verse, what is the question that you should ask? You ever heard this? What's the therefore, therefore? So what this means is that it's pointing you back to the verse right above it. And, and the verse right above it says that Jesus has died. One died for all, therefore all died. And, and he died that you would no longer live for yourself, but for him who loved you and gave his life for you. So this is going right back to where we left off last night. Like Jesus has died for you and given you an identity that, that is, is received from him that you didn't have to earn. And so therefore... Because you have this new identity, because you've been made new. And then he, he underscores it again. He says, anyone in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. So you're, you're new. What do you do now? Like, how do you live now? What does that look like? And, uh, and I've got, I've got three, three points. The first one is other people are important. Uh, if, if you look on the, 
Uh, can you, well, it's, you, can you flip back to the verse? I don't know if there's a verse right there. It says, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. And so that's where, I, that's where I'm, I'm getting this from. Because, well, let me tell you a story. M- there was someone that came and talked to our family about making a family creed. And, and what they said was that every family has a culture. Like there's things within your family that you just naturally pick up on. And you can either create the culture or, or it, it, you're just going to have one. But there's no way to avoid it. So we talked about, me and my wife, we took a little like two-day getaway to talk about what are the things that we want our girls to know. Like we can only, and we, we pick six. Like what are the six things that we can only pass on six things to our girls? What are we going to try to drive home? And number one is that Jesus Christ is king. And, but then number two is that other people are important. And so when it comes to sharing their toys, like we, we ask them, like if they're not sharing, we say, hey girls, you need to share. Why should you share? And we want them to say, because other people are important. And then, w- you know, if ever they're, uh, they really want to watch a show. Sometimes th- w- our girls get into like show mode. I don't know if you do this as well, but whenever they're watching Dora or Sophia the First or um, all these other shows that I've, I've watched or seen more of than I, I care to tell, um, if I try to talk to them, they're just zoned in. Like I'll be standing there like right in front of them. I'll use you, Devin. I'll be like, uh, sweetie, sweetie. And they're just all going, like not, not, they won't talk to me, they don't look at me. I have to turn the show off, wait about five seconds for them to kind of shake out of show, show mode. Um, and, and sometimes when they do that, I'm, I'm like, baby, you're treating the show like it's really important. And, and what's important? And she'll say, other people are important. And so we're trying to drive this home at an early age. And I think that's what this is saying right here, is that when you're made new, other people are very important. Uh, there's, a, there's a quote I've kind of gone C.S. Lewis crazy this, this weekend because he just has a lot of good quotes about being made new and being different. And this is, this is one that he says out of uh, the weight of glory. It's a serious thing, says Lewis, to live in a society of possible gods and goddesses. To remember that the dullest and most uninteresting person you, may, you talk to may one day be a creature which, if you saw it now, you would be strongly tempted to worship or else a horror and a corruption such as you now meet, if at all, only in a nightmare. All day long, we are in some degree helping each other to one or the other of these destinations. It's in light of these overwhelming possibilities. It is with the awe and the circumspection proper to them that we should conduct all of our dealings with one another. All friendships, all loves, all play, all politics, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. And, and if you're new... The people in this room and the people that you're around should on, on one level be fascinating to you, should, should be amazing, because none of you is a mere mortal. You know, uh, confession, confession session. I, I like teen fantasy. I was talking to Andrew about it last night. And by teen fantasy, I don't mean that I read all the Twilight novels. Not that they're bad, but uh, that, that's not my genre. I like Harry Potter. And uh, how many people, you, like, you guys like, like Harry Potter or... Um, I like the Hunger Games. I read, I read all of those, like things like that, Lord of the Rings, Chronicles of Narnia, that kind of stuff. But, you know, uh, I, I talk to people who are my age, and, and I tell them that I like to read, or they say that they like to read, and I'm like, oh, what books are you reading right now? And they're like, oh, I'm reading the biography of Harry Truman, or, you know, I'm reading the Brothers Karamazov, or something like that. And they're like, what about you? What are you reading? And I'm like, uh, uh, spirit animals. <laughs> <laughs> 
And, uh, and so I'm having to get more confident in myself and remember I have an identity. Like I have received identity. It's not achieved by what I read. Um, but in all of those, the, like the, the main thing is that no one is just ordinary, right? Like most people have some kind of power, some kind of ability. And it's easy to think that that is fantasy, that that's not real, that real life, that, that no one is extraordinary like that, no one is supernaturally different. But that's not true. It's th- those books, in that sense, are more true than a biography of Harry Truman because no one is a mere mortal. You're all supernaturally affected and there's supernatural things going on around you, but it's hard to remember that. It's easy to just, I get, I, this morning I went to McDonald's. I didn't want to eat, you know, maybe you guys don't have a car and say so you, you had to eat your trail mix for breakfast, but I thought I would get something more healthy and eat, eat from McDonald's. Right? Talk, talk about oxymoron. Um, but there was this lady in front of me, and it was taking forever. And it wasn't her fault, because she's not, she just made an order. But in the car, I'm feeling so frustrated at her. I'm like, I mean, seriously, like, what did you order? I mean, it's just you, and it's taking forever. Um, and then I got up there, and I'm waiting forever for my, I just ordered a, an Egg McMuffin. And it took like 10 minutes for them to bring it out. And I'm sitting there feeling so frustrated. And then I thought for a second, wait, like, I'm not thinking about these people. Like, these are, these are immortal people. And why do I get so quickly frustrated with them? Because th- there's not an ordinary person. We, d- we don't regard people according to the flesh. And so what is it? What is regarding people according to the flesh mean? And so another, bi- if Bible study trip tip number one is what's the therefore, therefore, Bible study tip number two is if ever you have a Bible on a computer, you can have a, a Greek thing where you can like hover over a word and it tells you what it means in the Greek. So I, I learned Greek a long time ago. I forgot all of it. And, and now I just hover my cursor. Um, and that's, that's really easy. Anyone can do it. Just hover the cursor. But I think there are a couple of ways that, that, regard, that not regarding people to the flesh means. Because in the Greek, it means like outward appearance or external. So we don't regard people externally anymore um, by their appearance of what's on the outside. And, and here's some ways that I think that, that we don't need to regard people according to externals. One, don't assume that people are, well, I'll ask you. When you see someone and you ask them, how are you doing? What do they usually say? Good. What else? What would be like the top three? Like family feud. Like good. Let's see. Survey says like ding, 50%. What's the next one? Fine. Ding, 40%. What's the next one? Okay. Someone said it. Ding. Like those are the three that I have down. Good, fine, and okay. Um, No one is good, fine, or okay most of the time. Like, that, that's such, a, like, the quick, easy way to, to pass it off because everyone is brimming with pain or disappointment or brokenness or the, the understanding that who you are is not who you want to be. Um, Devin and I sometimes, w- whenever there's a guitar around, we'll sing pop songs. And this morning we were singing one by Maroon 5. It's the, I, think, I think it's Maroon 5. Maybe it's just Adam Levine where it says, um, If I got locked away and lost it all today. You guys know this song, would you, honestly, would you still love me the same? Here goes, if I showed you my flaws, if I couldn't be strong, tell me honestly, would you still love me the same? Now here's where Devin raps. There you go. (laughs) Yeah, Maggie Fresh, got to rock it out. And uh, I'm noticing more and more songs like that because the point is, if you knew my flaws, like if you knew that I was weak, if you knew that I wasn't very good 
if I wasn't fine, that I wasn't okay, would you still love me? Because, because there's, I mean, even Adam Levine, w- with all of his, like, I don't, I don't know what magazine he wins, like, the most uh, attractive person on the planet or whatnot, or whatever he does, but he's got flaws. He's got issues. He's got brokenness. Like, there's sometimes when I listen to the radio and I think about, like, the people who are singing, like, at, at the Super Bowl, I was watching Lady Gaga, and I, I wondered, what's it, what's it going to be like for her to sing the national anthem? Because she's an interesting person, and, uh, and I, you know, she's wearing this kind of rather modest red gown with like a lot of eyeliner stuff up here. But I, I kept thinking, I wonder what's going on outside of this moment in her life. I wonder what the, what the brokenness is and what the pain is. Because in this room, like I wonder how many of you, how many of you, your parents are divorced or how many of you have lost a loved one? How many of you have had some kind of tragedy or aren't doing very well in school or had someone break up with you or been rejected by someone or have some drama that you're going back into when you get back to the cities or, you know, struggle with depression or you deal with doubt or you're not sure if you're saved and you always wrestle with assurance or, like, we could just tick off the list of things. But remember, don't regard people according to the externals. Like, yeah, I'm up here. Some of you are kind of bleary-eyed, and, and a few of you are doing this right here. But other than, other than that, you're a good-looking group of people on the outside. But what's going on on the inside? And you've got to remember that, that, that there's deep things because everyone is, is struggling on some level and wants more out of this life. Don't just regard people according to the outside, but remember that. Second way I think that happens is being good and moral doesn't mean that someone's a Christian. Um, and we talked about this a little bit last night, like how the devil was, I mean, he was a good per- uh, he was an archangel. But I only say that because I grew up thinking I was a Christian from when I was 11. I went to a Southern Baptist church. At the end of every service, they play a song, Just As I Am. Anyone ever heard that song at the end of a service? And I walked down the aisle to Just As I Am. I came back just as I was. <laughs> um, I signed the card, though. I got baptized. I wrote in the front of my Bible, became a Christian, June 6, 1989. And, and lived the next, uh, what, seven or eight years of my life thinking that I was a Christian because I had gone through some motions. And it was an affront on my pride to even question my salvation until my freshman year in college. And, and I started to see where, where my goodness was the very thing that was keeping me away from really developing deep relationships because I thought I was better than everyone around me as, if you remember last night, the president of the BSU. Um, but uh, don't... Don't, at your schools, don't just walk around and assume that people are Christians. You know, th- there was, I forget, at a, I think it was at New Year's conference, maybe it was, it was Chris when he shared about filling out his application for Northwestern, and he was like, you know, I just lied. Um, or someone shared that recently. But I wonder, how many of you, maybe when you came to school, lied, you know, on your, on your application? Or even hearing Maddie talk last night that, that she came in thinking that she was a Christian, but, but realized along the way that she wasn't. Um, there are other people, like I was listening to, when, after the team leaders did their amazing dance last night, um, that, that we all wish we could dance like them. Um, I think Harmon was talking about his experience at Project and how challenging it was being really prideful in there, thinking that he was a Christian, but he wasn't his freshman year. And, and so that's, that's three people in this room. I wonder, are there others in this room? Are there others that you know? But you just assume you regard people according to externals about the way that they live or what they say instead of talking with them about how their walk with Jesus is, talking to them about how you became a Christian, being honest about that, and, t- and, and not just living in light of externals. But a new person regards people as, as different on the inside. 
and, and that what they see on the outside isn't what's going on. So would you push past the veneer of just externals to get deeper? That'd be the first way. So p- other people are important. Second, you are blessed to bless. So Christ has given you uh, an, an unshakable identity, a, a foundation that is secure so that you can bless other people. Um, is, did I, did it, is the verse in there? Maybe it's not in there. Um, with the first PowerPoint thing, I remembered to put the verse in as I would refer to it. But with this one, I forgot to do it. So let me go back to it. Um, there's a few places. All this is from God who, through Christ, reconciled us to himself. So we've been made right with God and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So once you're made a new creation, he gives you the ministry of reconciliation. So that's the ministry of helping other people be right with God. And it says, therefore... We are ambassadors for Christ. God, as though God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Um, I, I thought about, like, what does it mean to, to implore? And it's like begging. And the closest thing I can think of is every time that I go shopping with my daughters, I'm just waiting to get to the checkout line. Because at that moment is when everything is of the utmost importance. Like, can, I, can we get this, Dad? Like, I really need this gum. I really want this candy. Like, they just, they start, the begging and the imploring comes out at, at the end of the grocery store when they want the candy and the stuff and just beg and beg and ask and plead for me to buy something for them. But that's how we should be with other people about knowing Jesus. Like, I, I kind of get annoyed a little bit with my girls. Like, we're, sometimes we just pull up and I'm like, don't even ask. <laughs> and that's how we should be sometimes when it comes to, well, not like that. We should be the, the reciprocal, which would just be to beg people and implore people to be reconciled to God. And, and it's, it's often as though when you become a Christian and you're made new, you really focus on your own growth and your own holiness, or, or you think that's what newness is, when newness is really not, not thinking as much about just yourself, but thinking about others to bless them. Um, there's a, a quote by Tim Keller. Maybe I have it up there. Yeah, God never calls us in to love and change us. So God does not change us without then sending us out to love and serve others. And so I, I wonder what that looks like. Another, another quote by John Stott that I really, really like is, it is one of the great paradoxes of Christian living that the whole church is called and every member of it as much to involvement with the world as to separation from it as much to worldliness as to holiness. Not to a worldliness which is unholy, nor to a holiness which is unworldly, but to a holy worldliness. A true separation to God which is lived out in the world, the world that he made and sent his son to redeem. And I wonder, and and I say this to you guys because you're, you're all coming from Christian schools, do you live with a sense of holy worldliness? where you, you see your growth and, and understanding more about who God is and who you are in Christ, that the more that you grow in holiness, the more you should therefore engage with other people about Jesus. The more you should reach out and minister to those around you and to the world. That, that like um, two verses, like Matthew five sixteen says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So your good works are supposed to shine so that other people would see and be ministered to. Or 1 Peter 2.12, keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable 
so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. You're, you're growing as a Christian so that you would minister to other people. And those other people, remember we just said, there are people at your schools that have lied on their application, that were like me. I, I would not have lied if I had to fill the application when I was a freshman. I thought I was a Christian coming into college because I never really heard the gospel. I never really heard that, that Jesus came and died for me to save me from the, the bad relationships with my girlfriend that I had, but also for the self-righteousness and the pride that was eating my life away until a guy came and talked to me about life. My life was changed radically because someone didn't simply assume that because Paul Poteet said he was a Christian, that he was. And, and it can seem like a very offensive thing when someone says they're a Christian and you, you ask them or you question them. But Paul did it in, in Corinthians. He says to the Corinthians who are Christians, test yourselves, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. And do you do that with the people around you? Um, it, it, it's, it's what the call is. And we, we know that because what Jesus did, right? I don't know if they have the... Uh, yeah, Jesus said, just as you, this is a little paraphrase, just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them. It is entirely for their benefit that I have set myself apart so that they may be set apart by truth. So, so he didn't just come to save people and make you new just for yourself. You are made new to go minister to other people, to go talk with other people, to go engage and love other people. And that, that starts at your campus. And then to figure out ways with maybe your family or friends from high school or whatever. But who are the people that God has put in your life? If you're new, you're not going to disregard them that they're fine, they're okay, they're a Christian, they're good to go. You're going to engage them and want to talk about, well, how's your life changing? How's Jesus changing you? How are you growing? And, re and remembering that just like you're not content with, with where you are versus where you want to be, no one is. Everyone wants to change. Everyone wants to be different. Are you a part of helping them move in that way? Um, last way to say it. I don't know if, if I have this. No. Uh, well, I can use that quote. You can leave it up there. Um, two extremes. The first is identification without proclamation. There's a little, little phrase for you. What I mean by that is you hang out with people. You're their friends. You get to know stuff that's going on in their life, but you never talk to them at all about spiritual things. You never talk to them about being a new person. You never talk to them about the lizard on your shoulder or ask them about the lizard on their shoulder. You're just kind of content to just get to know them, to be a good friend, but to never identify yourself as I've been made new. And are, are you new? And what does that look like? But it's identification without proclamation. And obviously the, the flip-flop of that would be proclamation without identification. You always t talk about the Bible verse that you read or, or talk about spiritual things without really getting to know people, without really finding out what's going on below the external surface, without getting into the pain. Because the place where the gospel really gets powerful is when you understand the way that it helps you in your brokenness, that it helps you in your sin. And if you can't engage on that level with people with what's going on under the surface with the gospel, you haven't identified with them, you just kind of give token lip service to Christian things, that's not going to be helpful. You have to identify and proclaim. And, and typically, we tend to fall out on one of those two extremes. I, you know, I'm not on the college campus as much, but my girls are in school. And so, like the other day, I went and did recess duty. It was when it was, like, I, I don't know if it was this way for all of you growing up, but at my daughter's Chinese immersion school, if it's zero degrees or higher, they will go outside for recess. So the cutoff point is zero. I just, it's just... Uh, 
unfathomable for me from South Carolina. But <clears throat> the other day, it was, it was nine degrees with a wind chill. I mean, that's taking in wind chill and everything. It was nine degrees with a wind chill that felt like zero outside. So I'm sitting, I'm, I'm doing recess duty, which means I stand out there and watch the kids run around for an hour and a half just in zero degree weather. And so I'm standing out there, and there, there are two other parents who are out there doing recess duty as well, and I started talking to them. And, and it, like the quickest way to get into a conversation is, well, what do you do? And so they always, they always ask me, what do I do? And at that moment, at the, I feel the tension. Like it would be so easy for me to just say, I'm a, I'm a pastor for college students, and I talk to people about how Jesus Christ has come into my life and changed me. But <laughs> I feel like, man, just, that's just going to be straight proclamation over the top. So I... I I, I try to identify with them, but I also tell them, yeah, this is what I'm doing. I, I work on a college campus and talk to people about Jesus because my life's been changed. But every time there's a little tug of, I don't want to out myself. Like, I wonder what they'll think. I wonder what this will be like. And so we all deal with this. So I just wonder, um, where do you fall out? Is it identification without proclamation? Sitting by people without, with nothing to say, no intention? Or is it proclamation without identification? Offering pat solutions to problems that you've never even attempted to understand. And, and where would you be in that? Because if someone's made new, and if you don't just regard people by externals, but you know that you've been blessed to bless, you, I think you've got to wrestle with this. And not how you want to live one day. How are you doing this right now at Northwestern? How are you doing this right now at Bethel? The whole point of my life, like, like seriously, this is what I have given my life to. I left my friends, I left my family to move up to Minnesota so that I could talk to people like you to try to get you to identify with people and proclaim the message of Jesus Christ to them. It, I, I raise thousands of dollars every year to be able to do this without any kind of payment otherwise because I just want you to get a vision to live this way now and for the rest of your life. I honestly don't care about campus outreach. If you're involved with campus outreach, if you're not, it's not important. Will you, when you because when you graduate, there is no more campus outreach. If you still follow the campus outreach Bethel Facebook page two or three years after graduation, you need, you need counseling. <laughs> um, like, come talk to me. I will introduce you to friends. There, there, is, there is more. There is life beyond that. Um, because that's not important. But... Not regarding people by, ex by their externals, that is eternally important. Knowing that you've been blessed to bless others is eternally important. W will you do that? So which of these are you? And then, then the last point, and this is where I want to end, is <coughs> never forget your roots. Don't forget where you came from. Because this verse, this passage ends with, we implore you, uh, yeah, for God, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin that we might become the righteousness of God. So at the very end of, you know, he talks about, you've been made new, so go be an ambassador and go reconcile people to God. And remember that God became sin for you so that you would be righteous. So he, he takes him back to, to his identity. Um, and, and in essence reminds him that you're so sinful that Jesus had to die for you. Don't, don't think that because you're, you're out ministering to people or blessing people that you've got it all together. I, the, the way that you should grow is by understanding how sinful you really are. He, here's one of my favorite quotes. I, I'm, I'm a, a Tim Keller junkie, and, and this is one of my favorite quotes of his. Well, hold on, hold on. Yeah. 
Um, so Martin Luther, what's he famous for? Okay, 95 Theses. You guys have heard of this, right? Do, do any of you know what the first one is? Like, this is kind of what has made our, we are here today in part because Martin Luther nailed these suckers on the door of the church. What was the, f- these are important, right? So what's the first one? I, I had no idea. Like, in, in history class, you just learn they're the 95 Theses. You don't ever learn what they are. But this quote told me what it was. Um, Martin Luther's first thesis said, this is the very first thing that he said, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said, repent, he said, repent and believe, he intended that the entire life of believers should be repentance. On the surface, this looks a little bleak. Luther seems to be saying that Christians will never be making much progress, but of course, that wasn't his point at all. He was saying that repentance is the way we make progress in the Christian life. Indeed, pervasive, all-of-life repentance is the, that's supposed to be best, the best sign that we are growing deeply and rapidly into the character of Jesus. How do you know if you're new? How do you know if you're changing? You're going to talk more about how you need to change. You're going to talk more about your sin. You're going to talk more about how you need to grow. Being changing, being what you want to be, is not like not caring about it and you've attained a high level. It's understanding how much grace you needed to experience life with Christ, how much you needed to be saved from, and that your life is all about repentance, all about remembering what Jesus has done for you. Um, and to, to paint this out, this is, this is the last little section. You, if you have a Bible, you have to open it. I don't think I have this verse. Oh, maybe I do. Maybe I was. Do I, do I have it up there? Maybe I just have, have the passage. That's it. So open your Bibles or your phone and, and go to John 21. This is the end of the Gospel of John, and, and this is an example, of a good example, I think, of someone who both has been made new and who's wrestling with who he is versus who he wants to be in, in a very profound way. And so this is, this is my little, little devotional at the very end of, of already giving a talk. Um, but I think it, I, I, I just like it. It's the story of Peter. And, and what, what was Peter's least desirable moment? Moments. There's your hand. What did he do? Yeah, he denied Jesus once. Three times. Okay, there you go. Three. Um, and so... Uh, then, so imagine, you know, he's denied Jesus because he doesn't believe that Jesus is going to be resurrected from the cross or whatnot, and then he starts to hear that Jesus is back, like that he rose from the, from the dead. But, but does he doesn't really go looking for him. What does he go do? He, he goes fishing. Um, <laughs> a mat, like, what, what must it have felt like to, to have denied the Lord, and now he's back, and you know that at some point he's going he's gonna to come looking for you. You know, I mean, Peter's like, I got to get in the boat and just get out there and hope he doesn't walk on the water again. Um, so he went back to what he was doing. And then Jesus comes and he finds him. Uh, quick, quick, you know, like Bible refresher. Was Peter always Peter's name? What was his name when Jesus first met him? Simon, right? And then Jesus says to him, your name is no longer Simon, but your name is Peter, because on this rock, I'll build my church. So Jesus gives him a name, uh, gives him a new identity, so to speak. And then is, you know, he's like one of the, the key disciples in the, whole, in the whole bit. 
But then when Jesus is fish, I mean when Peter's fishing, Jesus comes to him in this passage in, in John 21, 15 to 22. And uh, when I told you to open up your Bibles, I should have opened up mine because I want to read this passage. Um, but I've got to get there. takes so long to do this on a phone. I should have brought my Bible. Um, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, what did he call him? Did he call him Peter again? Simon. Son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon. Son of John, do you love me? And he said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And he said, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon. Like, it's, it's interesting that he did it three times, right? And he called him Simon three times. And I wonder, what must Peter have felt like when Jesus called him Simon? I mean, the, it had to just be, like, drilling at home, like, don't forget, on some level, don't forget what you did. Like, don't ever think, as I'm, like, you know, you could just say, yeah, he's coming and talking to Peter, and he's saying, like, go feed the sheep. Like, yeah, you're going to be the leader. But, but he's not really saying that, is he? He's saying, you need to, you, you've, you need to go bless others, but y- y- you're Simon. Like, you, you denied me three times. And so there should be a, a level of humility and graciousness in your life that's, that's pretty significant. So I, I like this little ending passage because one he reminds him to bless others he tells him three times okay if you love me if you're new then go and and feed the lambs like go and tend the sheep go and minister go and talk to people go live that way um he also reminds him that that his life is going to be about him like he asked him do you love me do you love me do you love me and so love for jesus overflows being blessed by him overflows in ministering to other people um, <clears throat> but he, he never, he will never be able to forget, I don't think, that Jesus reminded him of where he came from, reminded him of his struggle, reminded him of his imperfection. And if you don't constantly remember that, that you're a sinner saved by grace and that the whole Christian life, the, now that you're new, your life is about repentance. It's about understanding all the ways that you need him. That's how you grow. The more and more you repent, the softer you are, the more teachable you are, the more that you say to people, hey, is there anything in my life that, that I could grow in? Is there anything that frustrates you about me? Um, I was hanging out with a guy. He used to be at Northwestern. His name David Cook. I hung out with him yesterday. And I sat down and I said, hey, David, what about me frustrates you? <laughs> and, and that's where we started our conversation. Because I, I know that there's things about me that are frustrating. And I want to I live that way. I want you to live that way. I think that's part of what being made new is. Um, but here, here's the last l- reason that I like this passage is because if you, if you scroll on down to verse 20 and 21, after Jesus has said this to Peter, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them, which I, which I think is John, the one who had also leaned back against him during supper, and he said, Lord, who is that? Who, who is it that is going to betray you? That, that's what John said. And then when Peter saw John, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if it's my will that he remain until I come, what's that to you? You follow me. And so as Peter has had his moment of humiliation with Jesus, he's kind of like, okay, 
I've, I've swallowed the pill, the bitter pill. Now, what are you going to say to him? And Jesus says, hey, don't, don't even ask the question about them. This is about you. And I wanted to end here because at this, at this moment, I'm not saying any of this stuff for any of you to think about what someone else here needs to hear or how someone else needs to live. Staff as well. I have to be careful about this. This isn't about, okay, I'm going to tell these students what they need to be doing because I'm doing it right. Or as a staff person, you know what you're doing, and the students need to perk up their ears because they need to be doing this. Jesus, just like he said to Peter, don't think about other people. Don't compare yourself to other people. This is about you. And, and I want you to think about what needs to change in your life. How do you need to bless others? How do you regard people? How do you need to think about repentance and faith, the, the walk of the Christian life in your life? How's that going to change today? What are you trusting Jesus for now? For you, not for other people. Because when I was a part of a Christian ministry at a Christian college, I, I always like, thought I was doing okay. Because comparatively, when I looked around, I had a ministry, I was seven for seven studying the Bible, I was doing all these things that I thought were really, you know, pretty, pretty important, and, and I based my relationship with God not off he and I, but off of how I was doing compared to the other people around me, and I would imagine that you do the same thing sometimes. So don't, don't, don't be asking application questions about other people. Think, okay, Lord, am I new, and if I am, what does that mean? I'm about to go back to my campus, and what should change? Do I need to talk to someone and repent and confess and be honest to them? Do I need to ask for help in, in how I would bless people? I'm at this school where everyone says that they're that they a Christian, and they fill that out on their application, so how do I even minister there? What does that look like? But, but if you're new, that's what you're called to. I mean, that's what Jesus called Peter to, was to go and, and feed the lambs. It's what Paul said. You've been reconciled. Now go and, and be an ambassador for Christ. So if you're made new, that's how you'll live as you're day by day repenting and remembering your own, your own sin before the Lord and not comparing yourself to other people. Um, so let me pray for us, and then we're going we're gonna to have a few songs for worship. Lord, thank you that you um, had this interaction with Peter. It, it could be that he denied you three times so that this interaction would take place to remind us that as you send us out to bless others, to not view them according to the flesh, according to externals, but to what's really going on underneath, that we would go out knowing our own need for grace, the ways that we have denied you, the ways that we have not been faithful to you, the ways that we need help. And so, Lord, I pray for these students. God, I would love for them to go back to their campuses and... and well, I would love, first of all, for some of them, maybe who think they're a Christian, to, to realize maybe they're not, and to talk about that. And for others who, who, who have a new identity, who've received this identity from you, this esteem from you, to go back to Bethel, to go back to Northwestern, and to talk to people around them about that, and, and, and to know that they've been blessed, and now they were blessed, not just for, for Bethel and Northwestern, but that they would do that for the rest of their lives. That is the purpose that you, that you gave when Paul talks. That's what you've given the, the Corinthians, their purpose. It's Peter's purpose, and we are no different. You, you have saved us so we can love and bless others. You've changed us so we can talk about you with the people around us who are, who are eternally, supernaturally important. So help us to live like that, all the while looking to ourselves and knowing that, that our life is about repentance. 
because we should not be given this gift. We should not be given this call because we'd all deserve eternal damnation for every thankless moment, every selfish act, every idol that we, that we worship, everything that we're enslaved to, but yet you broke in and made that different. So thank you for that, Jesus. And it's in, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Campus Outreach Minneapolis, the College Ministry of Bethlehem Baptist Church. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for these copies or alter the content in any way without written permission from Campus Outreach Minneapolis. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at cominneapolis.org.